Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marchalina. Alongside me once again, a former longtime football coach in the state of New Hampshire, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are we doing this week? Doing all right, Joe. How are you? I'm pretty good now that I've dried off and warmed up yeah, after, no kidding, uh, right? after Championship Sunday. Uh, we are once again recording the show at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. As always, you can send us questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. And you can listen to the show every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, although I guess uh, every Wednesday morning is now going to be this Wednesday and next Wednesday. That's and then, it. Then we will be done um, because the football season is hard to believe is done. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, we, uh, of course, are going to wrap up the uh, championship games today. Next week, we'll take a look at the bigger picture, uh, wrap up the whole season, um, you know, maybe uh, go through our personal highlights of what, you know, what we thought we're impressed with this year, some surprises, and maybe even a look ahead to the 2020 season. Um, it's never too early. Never too early to do that. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, you know, and uh, one other thing I wanted to note, too, is that um, those of you that um, enjoyed our coverage this year uh, on nh-highschoolsports.com, whether it was photos, stories, uh, videos, um, you know, thank you for checking us out. Um, and uh, thank you extra if you uh, ordered a membership. Those are, of course, you know, how we keep the site going. Um, we're also still taking pre-orders for the football yearbook. Uh, if you want to grab one of those, uh, you have until Wednesday evening to do that. Um, you know, it's a, uh, I think, a great keepsake. Uh, if you want an easy way to remember uh, the 2019 football season, it's a um, you know, high-quality color magazine that will contain all the coverage from uh, nh-highschoolsports.com this year. Uh, so if you go to the website, the story on the top of the page, uh, to the rundown on your right, uh, you just click on that link, and you can find out some more information there. And again, you have till Wednesday night, uh, November what 27th to do that. So uh, get, get on that. Yeah, don't ask me about dates and stuff. I'm on vacation <laughs> yeah. this week, which means I'm lucky that I know today is Monday. You that you remembered to come down here. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you're lucky yeah, that you're yeah. lucky that I remembered we had a uh, we had a show today. <laughs> well, as we as I said, um, the uh, you know I, I I've been telling people um, over the last probably 24 hours that um, the last two weeks of football I I'm have made me positive that I will never again complain about covering spring playoffs in 90 degree heat or you know 100% humidity because between uh, the what 15 degrees in Laconia for the D4 final two weeks ago I actually preferred that over over yesterday yes um, I you know I thought when I left the house on Sunday I might look like a weirdo carrying a, a gym bag into the press box at UNH with a change of clothes and as it turns out I needed two gym bags with two changes of clothes yeah. because I, I was out on the field for the entire D3 game, and when I came upstairs, I was completely soaked through. Pants, shoes, socks, my, my coat um, was just dripping water. Uh, my camera was doing things that it doesn't, it's not supposed to do on its <laughs> yeah. own. I would try to take pictures, and it would automatically Water would just squirt over. out. Yeah, I opened, well, I opened the, 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 uh, where the battery goes, and pull the battery out, and water came out of there. Oh my god! Yeah. So you know, if anyone anyone that's looking at the site and is like, "Hey, why is there video of the D three game and not of the D two and the D one game?" Uh, th that's why. Yeah. I, I was a little worried about um, having to get a new camera. Unbelievable. Uh, after yeah. that, and also being completely soaked through. Yeah. After one game. So apologies if you were 
you were really hoping for some video from that game. Uh, you'll just have to have to settle for stories. Yeah. Well, the last two weeks really have been, you know, when, when you think about New Hampshire high school football, like late season, right? When coaches, you hear coaches say a lot, right? Well, you know, in New Hampshire, you gotta, you gotta be able to run the ball and play defense if you want to go far because, and, and, but sometimes it doesn't play out that way, right? You can have a very pleasant, uh, you know, weekend or two to end the season, but this season really put an exclamation point on what, like the perception of what late season New Hampshire football was like, because it was, it was uh, miserable doesn't begin to cover yeah. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, I checked my phone at one point to see what, you know, winds were being recorded at and and it said nineteen miles an hour. Yeah. And I, I thought that that can't it's gotta be more than that. I mean it, you know, I some people may have seen I tweeted that, you know, for the before the D one game during Exeter's warm ups they were kicking field goals and the last one they tried, you know, they're kicking into the wind kick goes up and it's a perfect kick it's going through the uprights and all of a sudden about five yards before the goalpost, it comes to a screeching halt yeah like and a, just drops like it just hit sky. a force yeah. field or something yeah, like right? it hit a wall yeah, yeah. I, it was unbelievable fantastic um, <laughs> let's let's um i, I today i want to go over um starting with you know we'll go we'll go chronologically we'll start with the d3 game that was the 11 a.m kickoff yesterday of course um trinity coming away with a, a 28 21 win over Lebanon in the D3 final, their first championship since 2011. Uh, I saw an interesting stat out there that um, Trinity's now the first program in New Hampshire to have won championships in four different divisions, hmm. uh, Division One, Division Three now, and Division Four and Division Five. back when we had uh, six divisions in New Hampshire. Wow, that's uh, interesting. I, yeah, kind of a really interesting thing. And, um, you know, we, we kind of touched upon this last week about, you know, just where that program was a couple of years ago. Um, just two years ago, they didn't have a varsity team. Um, felt like they didn't have enough upperclassmen to really compete at the varsity level. Dropped down to a JV only schedule. You know, and here they are two two years later, Division three champs. Yeah, um, just kind of a remarkable run. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think I think they obviously did a really good job of refilling their roster with uh, with good great players, right? I mean, bringing in. Um, the Tebow brothers, for example, I think I think uh, the older brother had played at Newport when he was yeah. uh, as a, a freshman, freshman or sophomore, freshman? Yeah, yeah, I believe. Um, and and, and uh, those two guys led the team in tackles in the on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, John, who I think is the older brother, yep. was was obviously the leading scorer and I think also the leading rusher. And then his brother contributed. Uh, uh, younger brother contributed some yards on the ground. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think. Whatever they did, they made that program attractive for some good players who came in, and um, and and they knocked off what you know. You and I didn't make predictions last week, but given I, you know, given the way the season had sort of gone, I, I probably would have predicted Lebanon to beat Trinity, not by a lot, but I would have said, yeah, hey, yeah. they'll probably edge them, and uh, so you almost kind of call that an upset. I mean, they went in and upset the the favorite in that game so pretty huge uh john tebow finished with uh, 117 yards rushing on 13 carries two touchdowns um the long one being the 68 yard touchdown that made it uh 28 14 in the third quarter yeah kind right of a back yeah um right after lebanon had looked like they gained all the momentum uh, by taking the opening kickoff for the second half and scoring uh, to make it 21-14. And was that a one-play drive? I mean, he just it was a one-play. Yeah, first it, right? play. Yeah. 
you know, they'd been running inside uh, most of the first half and tried to go outside on that one. Rainey, uh, Wade Rainey from Lebanon actually had a shot at him in the backfield and just, missed you know, him, he missed him, yeah. um, couldn't get a hold of him. And um, Tebow, there was no one else there. Um, I, you know, asked Tebow afterwards, and he said, I just, I turned the corner, I saw the pylon, you just know, ran. some 60 yards yeah. down the field. <laughs> just ran and just ran, yeah. Yep. Uh, James Tebow, the younger brother uh, that you mentioned, 42 yards rushing and a touchdown. Also led the team uh, with 14 tackles. Uh, John Tebow had 11 tackles and a sack. Um, and then uh, quarterback Peter Alessandro also had a rushing touchdown um, and two interceptions on defense. Oh, that's huge. Uh, yeah, that's so the other was, huge yeah. thing. I mean, two takeaways. Were they plus in the takeaways? Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but, I mean, they had three interceptions, um, and I don't think they turned the ball over. Um, would have been something that probably been a good idea to look at before. And no, it doesn't look like they did. So yeah, um, they were plus three on turnovers. Yeah. Uh, so Trinity they had three was. interceptions, and it, it sounded like Lebanon only passed the ball ten times. Yeah. Right. And so and a bunch of those were in the fourth quarter when, you know, they're in kind of desperation mode. Yeah. God. So it almost probably felt like every time you were putting it up, a guy in red, white, and blue was coming down with it. Yeah. Um, you know, and they they really kind of. One of those games where neither one of these teams has played at UNH um, in the final before. You know, it's been, I mean, Lebanon only had been to the final once before. I think in 2012 they beat Trinity, 2012 or 2013. So none of these kids had played on this kind of stage before. So you expect to see some nerves, and I think Lebanon had that early on. I mean, I remember one play where, you know, Rainey got the ball and tried to run to his, um, come across the formation, run to his right, and the kid that was supposed to be lead, the lead blocker g- fell behind him and had to run, you know, sprint in front of him to catch up. Yeah. And slowed Rainey down, you know, enough that, that you know, Trinity was able to tackle him. So yeah. it looked like they were – they had a little bit of nerves, but uh, Trinity, on the other hand, looked like a team that had been there before. Um, hmm. They returned the opening kickoff 70 yards um, to get set up in, in, in good field position, and they didn't score off that, but, you know, it tilted the field their way. Alessandro's first interception does set up the first touchdown, and yeah. they had momentum early. And uh, you wonder if maybe there was another quarter, you know, Lebanon might have been able to complete a comeback there. Yeah, well, and I the turnovers obviously played a big part because then you look at, like, Rainey had a huge day, it sounded like, right? I mean, he had just sort of a workmanlike series of stats. It was like hundred uh, 122 yards. 27 carries. Yeah. I mean, I want to so say a lot of those were in the second half, too. Um, at least that it felt that way. Yeah. But, you know, that's not exactly containing him. Um, I mean, there was one drive, I think. That, uh, their first touchdown drive of the second half um, was a 55-yard drive. He had 50 yards of it. Yeah. So, I mean, he they really leaned on him in that second half until they had to throw the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, and... and um, Interestingly enough, that was the longest game of the day yesterday uh, yeah. in terms of, t- of actual time. took two hours and seven minutes. Which, which is probably a short game for what you would see in the, at any other time in the regular right. season, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, unless it's like Winnicott versus Exeter or something. <laughs> it's like going to be <laughs> all on the ground. And oddly enough, the weather was probably at the best, its best during that game, yeah. um, even though it was miserable out. Um, second half, things just really deteriorated. You know, first half was was kind of cold and a little windy and, of course, rainy. But um, second half, the rain just picked up. I mean, it was downpouring at times. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and, and, and I, I want to, you know, kudos to all of the kids that were out there playing in this crap. Um, you know, I, I can't 
I was miserable standing on the sidelines, so I don't know how they, you know, they all six teams got it together enough to actually play a football game, play yeah. an entertaining football games all day. I mean, at least uh, they were playing on a good surface because you mix in that kind of weather with playing on a natural surface, especially one that had been beaten up all year. And oh, that's yeah. Really, yeah, really would have been terrible. Um, yeah, so Trinity, uh, you're – 2019 division three champs yeah huge congratulations because like you said that story has been a really great one hats off to the players to coach cathcart and his staff um for everything that went into this right i'm sure they felt like this was really two years in the making you know if you look back at like you said sort of not even having a, a varsity program you know two seasons ago what what a what a tremendous climb for them so huge congratulations to them um Again, elements notwithstanding, sounds like they had just the right combination of, uh, you know, collecting turnovers on defense and being able to run the ball and, and, and uh, you know, keep, even though Rainey got his yards, kind of keep Rainey out of the end zone as much as they needed to to pull off the win. So it's huge. Congratulations to them. You know, the, uh, the D2 game, um, you know, talking about, first off, talking about time elapsed um, in these games, uh this one clocked in at an hour and 49 minutes. Unbelievable. I, I mean, I think I've been to Hollis Brookline games where that's been a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because they're throwing the ball so much, there's so much clock stoppages. Uh, and, you know, I, and, you know, cause I wasn't outside, I was up in the press box for the first half of this game. And I think everybody there was stunned that Hollis went into halftime with an eight, seven lead and did not attempt a pass. Yeah. Um, I think they called only one passing play and it ended up being, uh, you know, Sander Wimmer ended up scrambling on that play because the field opened up right in front of him. Yeah. You know. So he actually and didn't no, pull yeah. the trigger. No. Yeah. I mean, no, no need to. Right. Uh, you know. Um, but just remarkable. They threw one pass all game, um, ran for 353 yards against Plymouth, and and won 24-13. Yeah. I just I, I I'm a, kind of a remarkable outcome, given again the elements. And just what we've become so used to seeing Hollis Brookline do um, the last few years. Yeah, I mean, it's almost the story of the season in New Hampshire, if you think about it, because what they did was they, they and it really, you could see it happening. It almost started with the Sauhegan regular season game back in like mid October ish, right? Where I think that was the first game where Thermitis had 100 yards. Yeah. You could kind of see it starting there where they, they, you know, it's almost like they said to themselves, hey, you know, we can run the ball, too. Maybe in the past they couldn't, and they had such talented players uh, at the, at, you know, in the, in the receiving positions and the quarterback positions that, you know, they just sort of leaned that way from a balance standpoint. But, you know, I think you could argue very heavily that that the their ability to, to re-identify themselves on offense and um, their ability to play run defense, which has not been their hallmark the last few years, I mean, those two things, and those kids are going to get fitted for rings. I mean, really, that's the story, right? That you had a team that was one of the best passing teams in New Hampshire, one of the most talented passing teams in New Hampshire, that said, you know what, we got to be able to run the ball down the stretch here. I mean, I, I, I doubt Coach Lonis had a crystal ball and could say that those were the conditions that they were <laughs> going to be facing in the, yeah. in the yeah. championship game, right? But you know, they couldn't flip that switch. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it was it was – it was fantastic of them to recognize that they had to start working on and building that balance kind of 
mid-season, right, in the last third of the season because if they hadn't, it's not like you can just flip that switch yeah, going and in the championship. All of a sudden be a running team. Yeah, yeah right, yeah, like you yeah, see the forecast right. three days out and say, oh, we better put the ball on the ground. I yeah, mean, when you haven't yeah. done that all year. So they leaned on an awesome offensive line. Thermitis, uh, Quinton Wimmer, who was a huge force uh, running the ball, and he's been a receiver all year. Well, so. he, and he had said after the game, of course, um, Mark Andre Thermitis had 166 yards rushing, Quinton Wimmer 144 yards rushing, and all three touchdowns <laughs> against Plymouth. I, I, by the against way. Plymouth. Against yeah. Plymouth, right? Um, yeah, Quinton had said after the game that it was, um, you know, something that that they hadn't really done all season until this week in terms of having him running the ball. Right. Um, they had run the ball, but just not with him in the backfield. Um, he'd you know gotten more on kind of like jet sweeps. Yeah, and, yeah, and, motion and him across. Like that. Yeah, give him it. Um, let him just run to the outside. They played most of that game after the first their first possession with him and Thermitis, you know, as kind of sidecars to to Sanderwimmer. Yep. In the backfield, he said it was something they did a couple of times last season. Um, so it wasn't unfamiliar. It just wasn't something they had really done no. much until now, um, to that degree. And you know, I mean. Um, I lost my train of thought there. Well, you were telling me before we went in too that they oh, they added yeah. some heavy personnel yeah, packages. That they in, they right? started taking out receivers and putting in linemen right. instead. Um but you know, watching them warm up, um Sander Wimmer was was seemed like he had no troubles throwing the ball into the wind. I mean he was at midfield, you know, throwing thirty, forty yard bombs. Yeah. It was a receivers. big surprise, by the way. You know, <laughs> <laughs> But then, I, you know, so I expected, I thought, okay, maybe they're going to try that. Um, but he said, he said after the game that by the time the game actually started, he'd been out there long enough, the wind was bad enough, his hands were just so cold. He said that catching the snap oh, at sure. times was just, was just so hard right? because of how raw his hands were. Unbelievable. Well, and then you also got to figure, I mean, if you're Chris Sanborn at Plymouth, you know Hollis can run. But there's probably no way you expected that, right? So yeah. what are you going to spend 70% of your defensive practice time on? You're going you're gonna to be working your coverages. You're going to be working on, you know, uh, your, your pass rushing to get after them a little bit. You know, timing up your blitzes against their snaps. Whatever you're working, you're sure as heck not working on dropping extra dudes into the box because they've got some heavy personnel or they've put two in the backfield. I mean, you, you're yeah, just not yeah. working that. So. You know, you could almost say it was a it was a it was a really really good job coaching by the Hollis staff to say, hey, we know this is what we're probably going to be looking at in terms of elements on Sunday, and you know this is what we're going to work in and let the chips fall. And they leaned on some really talented kids and a very very good offensive line that has you know in the past has spent more time backpedaling and pass protecting than they have getting off the ball and moving dudes but um i, I think it's a i think it's a huge story I, th I think it's a great story for them to be able to adapt like that got to of course mention uh plymouth quarterback uh cody bannon who finished with 148 yards rushing um also had 54 yards and a touchdown passing yeah when you know when they were in desperation mode plymouth trying to come back past hollis <laughs> in this game that's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Think about that. That's unbelievable. Yards to three. Yeah. yeah. You never. I mean, we, if I we, wouldn't if, have guessed it. Yeah. yeah we'd yeah. be. We, we'd be selling. Our houses would be getting taken away now if we had put money down on that. <laughs> I mean, there's no way you would have bet uh, on that. You know, Bannon. I was really. You know, first time I'd seen Plymouth live this year. Um, was really impressed with with Bannon uh, because, you know, he was a sophomore starter last year, quarterback um, when they won their third title in a row, and yep. was really, you know, more of like a 
you know, the dreaded game manager. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was he wasn't the guy. You know, they had plenty of other pieces around yep. him. Uh, and this, you know, this game, he was the man. You know, they he actually didn't line up at quarterback to start the game. They used him. I don't know exactly where, but I just know he ended up getting the ball the first play. You know, then they moved him in, and a couple other times they'd move him out and around just to get him the the yeah. ball in different looks. Yeah. And um, you know, the first drive it worked. You know, they went right down the field, took the opening kickoff, went right down the field and scored. Um, and you know, you kind of wonder, it's like, Jesus, experience going to be that much of a difference? I mean, yeah. Hollis eventually was able to, you know, adjust and and figure, you know, take away what Plymouth was doing. Um, but you know, it took him a while. It took Hollis a while to get going, only because possessions ended up being so long in this game, um, which we'll also get to talk about in the about the Division One game, which was even more, yeah. I guess, in a way, absurd when you look at it. But um, you know, just uh, much, you know, when when you if you were to tell me that the game was going to be played in those kind of conditions, all three of these games, I would have expected more fumbles, more turnovers, more sloppy play. Yeah. And it was a it was a very well played game um, between two really good teams that, man, I would love to see play on a nice sunny day, fifty degree day. Yeah. Uh, Although it's interesting though, right? Because you know we'll stick with this game because, but I think the last two games that were played, if you had known the conditions were going to be like this, again talking about making bad bets, you would have put a lot of money on Exeter. You would have put a lot of money on Plymouth because they're the teams that are supposed to be able to withstand that storm literally and figuratively right i mean they're the ones that are built for that and um you know it's another reason why i just think that 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 the it's such a hard-earned well-deserved win for hollis in this case because you know from what everybody on the outside would think of them this isn't what they were built to do and plymouth would probably have a major advantage but they did all, they did all the right things everything fell the right way you know we talked last week about how they had a chance to uh, almost sort of test their defense against bow which were in a very similar type of scheme and um, and, and it ended up all falling into place for them yeah um, you know in the d1 game was almost was eerily similar in in many ways um, because you had like you said a exeter team that likes to do a lot of the same thing Plymouth does, and a Londonderry team that likes to do a lot of the same things uh, Hollis Brookline does, although Londonderry likes to think of itself a little bit more of a running team yep. and is a little bit more it of is, a running yeah. team. Very uh, capable. You know, but still, a lot of their playmakers are in the passing game, and uh, you know, you, you had to wonder, again, the wind, the rain, I think, let up a little bit by the time the D1 game started, but the wind was still yep. you know, pretty brutal. And um, you know, Exeter had the wind, in that first quarter, um, you know, they're able to take the lead there, but you know, Londonderry eventually comes back and wins 21-10 in the final. Um, their first championship since 1998. Yeah. Uh, I want to put that in, in perspective. That was uh, the fall of my senior year of high school. Yeah, you said that last week, right. It doesn't That's seem like that long ago to no, us, does it? it? doesn't, no. The players listen to this and be like, 98? Was yeah, I even born yeah, in 98? No. <laughs> well, <I'm, laughs> that was 21 years ago, so, yeah, I, highly so doubt, were, uh, <laughs> I highly doubt it. Unless people are uh, fudging their numbers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we have any of that going on in New Hampshire. Yep. Um, you know, the, the, thing, uh, the big thing that, that kind of got me, um, it ended up evening out in time of possession, but there was one point, it might have been at halftime, Exeter's time of possession. I think they. I think they had the ball for 15 minutes, over 15 minutes of the first half, which is just uh, ridiculous. And then they had a drive. Um, 
in the that took up the th- most of the third quarter went into the fourth 18 plays 75 yards nine minutes and 32 seconds yeah and it's one of those that's you look at it and it's like you know they they scored on that drive to go up um 10-7 Londonderry hasn't had the ball since I think about eight minutes were left in the third quarter um and it's one of those it's like you you gotta think that they I, I would be thinking if it were me we've got to score here because if we don't we may give them the ball back and never see it again yeah that's absolutely what you're thinking and, you after know, a drive then, like that you know, then of course, you know, Londonderry gets a nice kickoff return on the kickoff. Uh, I think Wiedenfeld got it for them, set them up at the, their own 44. And then, you know, a couple of plays they don't don't work out. They're all of a sudden looking at a four and fourth and three at Exeter's 49. And it's like, what do you, you know, what do you do there? I mean, I guess under normal circumstances, you'd punt, you know, give them the ball back and and just let your defense play. Yeah. But. You know the way it had been going. I think there was there was about nine and a half minutes left in the game at that point, and yet, yeah, I, th- I think that's realistic. Not, and it's not unrealistic to think we may not get the ball again if we don't get this first down. Oh no! They line up and go for it, and Jake McEachern runs for forty-one yards <laughs> to go down to you know give them a first and goal. Yeah, there's your championship play right there. Yeah, between that and then Exeter after Londonderry score to take the lead, Exeter fumbles the kickoff, which you uh, just don't see. No. Um, and then Londonderry scores again. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much your game again. And and turnovers came back in that this one. Um, Exeter had three turnovers, so Londonderry was, um, I believe, plus three. Uh, or no, uh, it might have had a fumble in there, but I don't. The fumbled, uh, the fumbled kick return is that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah. because talk about just chewing your momentum away, and it, and it set the ball up on. What the exit are twenty three or something twenty eight somewhere in there twenty six yeah yeah oh I I know what it was it wasn't that a Londonderry lost a fumble um, on that drive they're about to they looked like they were about to score uh, Jeff Wiedenfeld's you know gets the handoff at the th- you know f- they're trying to score from the three and he looked to me like he got in of course I'm up in the press box so I can't yeah. I can't really tell but he looks to me like he's trying to he's in but his extra effort caused him to lose the ball and it was bouncing towards an Exeter player and somehow the Exeter player I don't know if it was a wet ball or whatever doesn't get it and Wiedenfeld actually got recovered up from it. the tackle that he that, you know the kid that had just tackled him yeah recovered his own fumble wow uh and then Londonderry scores on the next play yeah unbelievable yeah um just quite an effort from you know Wiedenfeld McEachern uh Cole Keegan had a big game for for Londonderry Tyler Ko. um all the were, names we've been yeah you've heard all season um, right? there's just Loaded with weapons, and the you know the benefit of having these games at UNH. Um, I don't know if you can hear the rifling of paper on the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on looking the table at here. The, these very comprehensive stats, De- defensive stats. That's what that's what I love. You had Will Reyes with twelve tackles for Londonderry. Yeah, uh, Michael Watts with nine. Kyle Prolo with seven. Um, he also had an interception late in the game. Um, Dayton Christensen had eleven tackles for Exeter. Spencer Clark had nine. Um, you know, and, it, and it's tough to, you know, l- when you look at just the stats, it's tough to, like, single out a couple Exeter guys because they all had great games running the ball. Yeah. Um, it's just they hand off to so many different guys. You had, you know, Clark, um, uh, Jaden Cleesh, Ryan Gravala, Derek Edmonston that all had big games for the, for the Blue Hawks. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I had read uh, uh, Roger Brown, who's been a guest on the show uh, 
probably does a, a much better job than I do. <laughs> you're uh, you're back you're back up. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the second string guy who <laughs> who uh, but he knows a heck of a lot of, uh, of New Hampshire football, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's always great. But um, but you know somebody had tweeted at him at one point. You know I don't know whether it was a fan or another press member. Somebody had said, "Dear God, Exeter's offense is boring," and I couldn't help myself but tweet back. And I had said something to the effect of, "Hey, you know what?" This isn't the NFL, right? You're not trying to no, fill the stands yeah. by by having an exciting offensive scheme. Um, you know, it, it it gets them wins, and it's very difficult to prepare for. But the thing that you just mentioned too is another thing a lot of people forget about that offensive style is that, you know, you can there's four, five, six guys that are all kind of just going to get fed in that game, right? You don't yeah. have to feature yep. the one or two people. Um, so it is kind of an, uh, one of those offenses that. You can't just hone in on a guy, right? They're they're going to be very proficient with three, four, five, six people that can all churn out yards. It is, I mean, trying to keep stats and and listening to other people keep stats in the press box. You know, oh, who has the ball? Wait, no, it's twenty six. No, it's uh, yeah. oh no, eight kept it. Uh, you know, so if we're having that much trouble just seeing who had the ball from the sidelines from above. How I mean, how tough is that? To do? It's it like you said, it's it's so tough to prepare it's for and to defend. Yeah. I mean, I got to imagine because you you can't you can't see where the ball's going all the time. Right. And those kids take pride in that, right? They fake for each other, they block for each other. It's a uh, you know, it's not a scheme that you see as much anymore, uh, just because, right? For whatever reason, but um, but it is kind of nice that it involves that many guys. It's a it's a true team kind of concept, right? I mean. A lot of the passing concepts are like, hey, get your best guy one-on-one yeah, out in yeah. space. against." And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great way to move the ball. But it reduces an 11-on-11 game in a lot of cases to a one-on-one thing. And Exeter's scheme does not do that. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, a, a, an offense you know, like Exeter's. I mean, you almost have to have the you know, 100 or so kids that they have because you need 11 guys yeah, to play that way. To make way. it work, yeah. right? Um, there's a lot of pride in that. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that Exeter team this year, you know, they um, – I, I, I thought – I think going into the year we thought they were going to be good. Yeah. Um, how good – I mean, playoff, playoff good. Um, that they were going to be this good, I don't know if we really knew until a couple of weeks in. No. Um, I, know I mean, I, never, I could not look you in the eye and say I, I Exeter's going to the finals. Yeah. That would have been yeah. my call. It wouldn't have been. Um, you know, so, so a great job by them, a great job by Bill Ball just to get this team to bounce back from missing the playoffs a year ago. And turn in the kind of season that they did, and I mean, they gave Londonderry, you know, a game. I mean, that yeah. was the f- the first, the closest game that Londonderry's had all year. Yeah. First time all season they trailed in the second half. It was in doubt. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was it, there was a while where you were you were looking at that, saying, "My God, is Londonderry gonna gonna come away with a loss in the championship game here?" Because it, I mean, it really took that sort of second half between the turn the the key turnover and you know the big play that they got um out of mckeckern on the fourth down run it it took kind of that combination of things to to sort of put it away i guess for lack of a i don't i don't know that they ever felt like it was put away but it was a great sort of heavyweight match um but you know to swing the conversation back to the champs londonderry had an awesome season um just loaded on both sides of the ball, right? I, I think their defense probably didn't get enough press this year. Um, I, I mean, when your offense is putting up yeah. 45, 50 points a game, it's... Right. But you think about it, some of the it, signature yeah. wins that they had kind of mid-season, like 
beating Bedford the way they beat them. I think they shut Bedford out. They didn't shut they? Bedford out. You know, they beat Pinkerton twice after right. not beating them for you know almost I, what 20, 20, 17 years yeah, or so, nineteen years, something like that. Yeah, um, it was two thousand. I think was the last time that they beat them, or two thousand one maybe. But uh, um, just an awesome year for the Lancers. Um, and, and you know, the other thing that just occurred to me as we've been talking about this, all three of these coaches. This is their first time, first, yeah, first all championship, of them winning championships. So uh, that's got to feel good, and and I think that's awesome for New Hampshire football too, right? It's I mean, not to say that some of these coaches that have earned it and have these really great storied careers and things aren't those aren't awesome stories too. But for Rob Cathcart and Chris Lonis and uh, Jimmy Lozon, it's a pretty awesome weekend um, to say, hey, we're crowning. Three champs, the coaches of which have never never had a ring before. Well, hold on to that thought for a second, because I do want to I do want to bring up one more stat from this game, uh, because I think you're gonna you're just gonna shake your head when I when I read this one off. Um, third down, con- third and fourth down conversions in this game. First off, there were no punts, so I could tell you. Yeah. So that would you'd probably assume right away that these are gonna be pretty pretty good successful conversion rates. Lunaderry was six of ten on third down, hmm. two of four on fourth down. Exeter was 8 of 12 on third down and oh. 2 of 3 on fourth down. Wow. I mean, that's – it was a fun game to watch. I, yeah. You know, when I, a big part of that was just wondering, is, is either team going to be able to get off the field? Yeah. Uh, and and you just ha- how efficient they had to be, you know, with the number of possessions that they had. Like, so Exeter basically had three possessions yeah. and scored on two of them. Yeah, that's what you say. They had, like, these three really long drives, and that was kind of all they had, though. Yeah, you know, that that, that is the – the weather stinks, and you never want to play a championship game, I don't think, anyway, in that environment. But it does change the game considerably. You you see things, whether it's stats like that or whether it's the style of play or whatever, you see things that you don't normally see on a Friday night in early October, right? I mean, you're, you're going to see a lot of uh, – the game just changes. And I, I think um, coaches will take different kind of risks. They'll make different kind of calls. They'll do a lot of different kind of things. I, and I do think that makes it exciting. Um, talking about, you know, first time, first championships for, for all three coaches, um, three different teams, you know, teams that, you know, teams that had had, like we said, Londonderry hadn't won since 98, Hollis had never won, Trinity, it's been since 2011. Um, the other thing I li- kind of like to look at too is just the variety of teams. Um, and D- D1, I think in particular, um, I mean, it's the one that everybody talks about is, oh, there's only... There's only Pinkerton and Londonderry and Salem and Bedford can compete, you know. A lot, you know, yeah. the big schools dominate. Well, that's not true. No. Um, you know, since the NHIA expanded to 20 teams for Division One in 2013, that's seven. We've now had seven championship games since then, and six different teams have won a title. Bedford being the only repeat, uh, winning in 2016 and 2018. Exeter's been there a c- bunch of times. Pinkerton's been there a bunch of times, um, but. Exeter has a one in those three appearances, and Pinker, Pinkerton's uh, one in three yep. in the championship game since then. Um, I think you look at the 20 teams as a whole. Uh, it's changed a little bit now with with Wyndham moving up, um, Alvern coming out for now. Um, you know, of course, Wyndham's not been a playoff team. You know, but you look at the original or the the 20 teams that were in the division up until the, this most recent cycle. Everyone had made the playoffs except Memorial and Dover. Right. Um, you know, so it's not like teams aren't finding ways to or aren't being successful. Right. Um, does it make it harder to win a championship? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
Um, more teams get in, though, than, than it used to be. Right. And um, I think it's, you know, it, it I don't want it, it makes it, I think it makes it more interesting. The other thing that's kind of interesting, too, is now of these seven champions, all seven in Division One have been undefeated. Huh. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, kind of odd. Yeah. Well, you know, the other interesting thing, too, you know, speaking of that, the, the sort of parody, right, where you say, ah, it's not, you know, people roll their eyes and say, oh, it's always just the same teams. But it's really not, right? And then if you think more about Goffstown is a team that climbed from, you know, three to, to, to one and won a championship several years ago. Exeter was classically a Division Two team in the old format that has come up and had some success. Um, and Bedford was a team that started out – their varsity program just 10 years ago i think it was yeah, about so about that a little more maybe maybe 12 years it ago. was 2008 was their first year was so yeah, okay. 11, yeah 11 so you were wrong yeah. i was wrong it was yeah. 11 years <laughs> but we split the difference but they yeah. went three to two to one yeah and had you know so i mean you know, it's then not you have just these classic big and schools then, um when it counted a couple of years ago exactly um, you know they're one of the smallest schools in the division yeah yep. um, so it's not yeah uh, same thing as exeter right they're sort of a more classically division two under the old format type of team so it's not the same old, same old, and it's not oh, just yeah, the schools with the largest populations, and I think that's I think that's great. Uh, so I think that just about wraps up uh, the 2019 championship games. Yeah. Congratulations to Trinity, uh, Hollis, Brookline, and Londonderry uh, winning titles, and to Lebanon, uh, Plymouth, and Exeter on on great seasons. And yeah, uh, you know, if you um, you don't want this to end yet, it's not going to. We'll be back next week. We're going to wrap up the entire 2019 season, um, you know, and share some thoughts with you about the 2020 season. So uh, get ready for that. Yeah. You know, you get, get your um, get your thoughts about who's going to be uh, who's going to be good next year. And we'll we'll discuss that. Yeah. We got one more week left. We'll also probably talk about some Thanksgiving games, too. I think there are a few of those yeah, there coming are. up this week. I will be at North North South on Wednesday. Uh, so look for that uh, coverage on that Thursday. And Ho we have, is it Memorial Central? I believe it's Memorial Central. Yeah. And then if, and Trinity and St. Thomas, I believe, are supposed to be playing hmm. this be year as well. That would be an interesting game. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I think I just want to leave you with one thought. You mentioned the runner-up teams. Um, I'm sure it hurts now. I guess my message to those guys is I'm sure it hurts now, but you know what? It was a tough season in all three, uh, all four divisions, really, right? There was a lot of competitiveness and yeah you could focus on hey we didn't we didn't win the championship but to to play there and to get through everything you needed to do just to be there you're not going to remember losing the championship game you're going to remember that you had a great season you made a lot of friends and you know the the great times at practice with your coaches and stuff so like i said congrats to the champs but to the guys that didn't get it done i know it hurts now it doesn't feel great but you know what you had a great football season. You should feel good about all the things that happened during it, too. He is Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Yeah, thank you. I am Joe Marcellina. Uh, we'll talk to you again one more time next week.